0: morning, Grace Church. How are you this morning? Good. Great to have you. Man, I, I kind of sense a little bit of a rowdy bunch this morning. I like that. All right. I think uh, I think rowdy's good. Thanks, Angel. Appreciate it, man. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, before we get started this morning, Father, thank you for uh, these two uh, individuals that went public with their faith. Father, I pray that from this day forward, they would live their lives to your glory, to your honor. Lord, that you would use them in incredibly powerful ways. I pray that you would speak through the message this morning, and that uh, Lord, we've been praying and asking that, that people would be encouraged when they leave here today, that they would uh, be better for having been here. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we are continuing part three of a series that we've called Windward. And Windward means the direction in which the wind is blowing. And so oftentimes in the scripture, the the Holy Spirit is kind of referred to, or is is given the example of wind, you know, the whisper of the Spirit. And so throughout this series, we have been encouraging you, whatever the Spirit of God is leading you to do, whatever the Spirit of God is is speaking to you, to listen and to do what the Spirit of God is leading you to do, to, to have the guts, to have the courage to go windward. To push away from the safety of the shore, from the comforts of the shore, and to go where the Spirit of God is leading you to go. My name is Justin Ross, lead pastor here at Grace Church, and we have been sharing the vision here at Grace Church. And the vision of this church is imperfect people leveraging everything for those far from Jesus. And I love this vision statement, I love the vision of this church because it's so simple. It's so clear. I mean, we can start with imperfect people, and that's me, okay? And by the way, that's you. There's there's no perfect people. We're all imperfect. And so it's very crystal clear that God uses imperfect people. God uses people that have brokenness. God uses people that are imperfect. And then today we're focusing in on leveraging everything. And leveraging simply means using to the maximum advantage, using to the maximum effect. We're leveraging everything that God has given us, our, our brain power, our creativity, our resources, our, our, our spiritual gifts. We're, we're leveraging everything. Why? why? Why would we leverage everything? We're leveraging everything for those who are far from Jesus. Why would we do that? Because you know what? Most people believe the lie, the lie that has been spoken that God is against them, that God... Is, is angry, and God is up there with these big lightning bolts, and he's just waiting for you to mess up so he can zap you. And man, we are leveraging everything so that we can tell a different story, that God is good, that God is for you, that God is not against you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to live a life that is abundant. Man, we want you to experience the God of the Bible, the God that is for you, the God that wants to see your brokenness restored. That's why we want to leverage everything that God has given us for those who are far from Jesus, so that they can see and experience God. We've been using the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is basically a journal. Okay, Nehemiah wrote about his experiences, and it's in the Old Testament of your Bible. And Nehemiah is writing about his experiences where he went back to a city that was broken down, a city of Jerusalem. It had been broken down, uh, and the, the walls around the city had been destroyed for close to 150 years. And God was stirring in the heart of Nehemiah to go windward, to go back to his hometown and to rebuild the city, to rebuild the walls. And we've been learning that Nehemiah had the courage. He had the guts to go windward. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to just go backwards a little bit. I want to go back into Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to look at the very last verse of this chapter. After Nehemiah had been praying, he had been asking God to give him success in rebuilding Jerusalem, but he makes a statement here at the end of chapter 1 that I want us to focus in on this morning because it's really, really powerful. It's really incredible for us this morning. And, And by the way, the Spirit of God has some things for you this morning has some things that you need to know, some encouragements for you. But in Nehemiah chapter 1, the last part of verse 11, it simply says, In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. You're like, ooh, wow, Justin, that's really powerful, man. Yeah. What are you going to do with that for a sermon, you know? I want to focus in on that phrase. And and here's the encouragement I want to give to you. I want you to read Nehemiah for yourself. I want you to read the story of Nehemiah. I want you to read it. We all know, those of us that have read Nehemiah, we all know that the walls get rebuilt, that Jerusalem is restored, that God gives Nehemiah success. We all know that the walls around Jerusalem, they were rebuilt in record time. But I think that sometimes we overlook the journey to that success. Sometimes maybe we we look at people that we would say, man, I, I want a marriage like that, or man, I I would hope that our church could be like that. Or, you know, we look at someone that has been successful and we forget about the journey that it took to get to that success. We forget about the ups. We forget about the downs. We forget about the hard knocks. We forget about the pain. We forget what it was like when, when we got knocked down and it took everything in our being to get back up, and to keep moving forward. We just see the success. We just see the, ba- the, the, the walls rebuilt. Nehemiah said, in those days, I don't know how long that time frame was. It could have been five years. It could have been 10. It could have been 25. He said, he's looking back. He's, he's reflecting on his experience, and he said, in those days, In those days encompasses so much. There's so much packed into those little three words. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah was a slave. He didn't have freedom. He was a cupbearer to the king. He worked for King Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah couldn't exactly just slip out unnoticed and go and rebuild a city. He was a slave. He had no freedoms. Besides, the Babylonians had torn down the walls of Jerusalem for a reason. They did it on purpose. You see, a defenseless city like Jerusalem with the walls torn down, it didn't pose a threat to the Babylonians. The Persians certainly were not going to just stand by and watch while somebody went in and reestablished Israel as a military might in the region. Nehemiah was crazy to even consider such a thing, that he could go back and rebuild a city. He was crazy in the the position that he was in, no freedoms, a slave. He was crazy to think that God could use him to do such a thing. Add to that the reality that the walls had been torn down for almost 150 years. If the people who lived in Jerusalem hadn't made... Any effort to rebuild before now? Like, what made Nehemiah think that he could make any difference? I mean, what could he do in the position that he was in? After all, he was a slave. He had no authority. He was just a cupbearer to the king, serving the king wine whenever the king beckoned him. That was his role. You can probably relate to some of Nehemiah's feelings as he considered the magnitude of this vision, this stirring of God to go windward, to rebuild a city, you can probably relate to some of the feelings, some of the thoughts that Nehemiah had. Feelings maybe of fear. Feelings of doubt. Feelings of of questions. Feelings of, man, should I listen to the naysayers? You know, the haters, the people that say, ah, that could never be done. Often, we too can feel this way when God puts something in our hearts to do. We can look at the landscape around us, the circumstances around us, and it's overwhelming to us. It's like, how could this ever become a reality? I don't see any way forward. It doesn't look like there's any way that God could pull this off. There doesn't seem to be a way forward. Isn't that how our God works, though? Often when he puts something in our hearts for us to do, it, it will appear to be out of reach for us. And the reason he does that is because it is out of reach for us. He puts something in our hearts to do because he's the only one that can do it. God-ordained visions are always too big for us to handle. That's when you know it's from God. This is, the only way this is going to work is if God does the work. We shouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, consider the source. Consider the source of the vision. It's Almighty God who was stirring in the heart of Nehemiah. Man, when you have a God ordained vision, when God puts something in your heart to do, there are always more questions than answers. There are always obstacles in your way, there are always a lack of resources. A man or a woman with a vision usually feels alone, even isolated at times. Often, there is little to go on. You know, when it comes to a vision, it, sometimes it can be fuzzy. You just The only thing you can go on is this gut-level, unquenchable, passionate desire. This desire of like, man, I am just sick and tired of the brokenness around me. I am sick and tired of seeing marriages implode and children living without the influence of both parents. I'm just sick and tired of the church asleep and not doing anything in their communities. I'm just sick and tired of this brokenness. I'm sick and tired of the walls being torn down around my community. The walls that protect us from the enemies. That's what Nehemiah was feeling. That's what he was thinking. He didn't know exactly how it was going to work, but he just, he had this vision. He had this, this, this feeling in him from the spirit of God that something had to be done. Often that's all we have to go on. And hopefully a God ordained vision, hopefully you have a sense of destiny. Hopefully you have this feeling that, man, this is what I was created for. Like this is why God put me on this planet you have this assurance that God called you to go windward, that God called you to go out into the deep and to follow him and to do what God has led you to do. If any of that rings true for you, you may be on the brink of something divine. Like, man, I I have had that feeling, Justin. I I can't explain it, but, man, God has put some stuff in my heart. Man, you are on the brink of something divine. Others of you might be thinking, so? So, Justin? Like, if I'm on the brink of something divine, like, why am I stuck here? Why, Why am I stuck here listening to you talk right now, you know? If I'm on the brink of something divine, why am I stuck here? Why am I doing things that I don't feel like God has even called me to do? It just seems kind of mindless and routine. It's just the same thing every day. Really, on the brink of something divine, huh? I don't know if I believe you, Justin. You you can be assured that Nehemiah asked the very same questions. Every time he thought about Jerusalem, he would think, Lord, what, what am I doing here in Persia? what am I doing just delivering wine to this king? Like you called me to be a builder, not a bartender. Like what am I doing here? But God knew exactly what he was doing. He had Nehemiah in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. He had Nehemiah right where he wanted him. Now listen, this is so important. You you have to catch this this morning when it comes to going windward, when it comes to a vision that God has placed in your heart, your personal interests in the windward way, they are going to collide. They're going to collide. Sometimes the vision, sometimes going windward, it comes at your own personal cost. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to step away from the, the comforts of the shore. You're going to have to step out into the deep, into the unknown. You're going to have to deal with those questions. You're not going to have all the answers. It's going to be scary at times, but you have to have the guts to go windward, to go where God is leading you to go. I mean, listen, building a church, building a business, building a family, it takes sacrifice. It's going to cost you something. I mean, think about marriage, for example. I mean, husbands, like putting the needs of your wife above your own needs? Like putting the needs of your wife above your own even when the Broncos are playing? Like seriously? Man, that's sacrifice, right? Man, wouldn't it be awesome if both spouses preferred one another above themselves? Like it takes sacrifice to have a healthy marriage, to have a marriage that flourishes. I mean, consider, like, if you want to know the definition of parenting, or of sacrifice, rather, be a parent, okay? I mean, to have kids, like, putting the the needs of your kids above your own, it takes sacrifice. I mean, when I go to the refrigerator and I want to get some grapes, okay, And there's like this bag that's in the refrigerator, and all there is is the vine. Like all the grapes are gone. Like that takes sacrifice to continue loving my boys, right? When I wanted a grape. I mean, one of the things I've learned about fatherhood is that I am a very selfish individual. Like I get angry when the grapes are gone, you know? It's like, what is the big deal? My gosh. It takes sacrifice. It's the same in ministry. You're, you're going to have to do things that you don't really want to do. I think some of us, we have this notion that, man, it just should come easy. Once again, we, we see success or what we think success should, should look like, but we forget about the journey. We forget about the rocky roads to get there. It's the same in the business. Let me just remind us, it, it's, it's worth it. I mean, there is no greater joy that I have in my life than to be married to Trisha Ross and to be the father of the four boys that I have. There is nothing better. Nothing. It's worth it. It's worth it. Consider this. From the time Nehemiah was a little boy, God had been engineering his circumstances to make sure that he would be in the palace as a servant. He's like, man, like God would orchestrate it for him to be a slave? Like, consider this, okay? Consider this with me. From there, God raised him up through the ranks of influence, so he would be noticed for his integrity, for his trustworthiness. Remember, Nehemiah was a man of great character. Eventually he was recommended by the king, or to the king, rather, by some of uh you know, some unknown palace staffer. I mean, somebody recommended, said, King, I think uh, Nehemiah could be your cupbearer. And then one day, he was appointed to the position of cupbearer, serving right alongside the king as a slave. God landed Nehemiah a job that gave him an inside track to the king. But he had more than a job. As a cupbearer, he had a special relationship with the king. Every day, the king entrusted his life to the man who served his wine. It was the cupbearer's job to protect the king from being poisoned from his enemies. Artaxerxes' own father had been murdered by a trusted servant. So you could be assured that Artaxerxes was going to make sure he trusted this man, trusted him with his life, this man, Nehemiah. So God had been working behind the scenes. He had been putting all the right players into the right place, so that God's redemptive plan could be fulfilled. You know, it's easy for me to say this because I know the end of the story. I know that the walls get rebuilt. I know everything turns out good for Nehemiah. But think about this. Put yourself in Nehemiah's shoes and think about it from his perspective. At this point in time, He didn't know if it was all going to turn out okay. He didn't know if, you know, when he went to the king and asked for permission to to go and rebuild Jerusalem, if, if he was going to lose his head. He didn't know. He had no idea that his years of serving the king played a critical role in the overall story. For all he knew, God had forgotten about him and his people. I mean... I think there's some of us in our situation, you're like, Justin, I have been praying, man. I have been asking God to do this and to do that. And it doesn't seem like he listens to me. Nehemiah and his people, they had been praying and asking for close to 150 years. I mean, can you imagine some of the feelings that he had? Like, God, are you are you out there? Are you do you care about your people? Are you listening? We've been asking. Nehemiah, he didn't see any improvement. He didn't see any signs of coming change. It seemed like his prayers had gone unanswered. Every day, basically the same. Serving the king wine. Every day, just seemed like the same thing. His leadership gifts and his organizational skills, they went unused as he served Artaxerxes month after month after month. So routine, routine, but you need to know this, okay? You need to know this. God had Nehemiah right where he wanted him. He was perfectly positioned. He was right where he needed to be. And believe it or not, God wants to do the same thing with your life. His desire is to work through your circumstances, to maneuver you into the right place for the right time. And this is always easy for us when we look back because hindsight is twenty twenty. But man, in the moment when we're looking forward and, and it seems so cloudy and fuzzy and we don't see a way forward, it takes faith to continue trusting, to continue walking forward even when it's fuzzy, even when it's cloudy. It takes faith to go windward. And often, there's no tangible connection between our circumstances and the vision that God has given us. And what I mean by that is oftentimes the circumstances around us, it doesn't look like it supports the vision at all. Oftentimes, the circumstances look like they're against the vision that God has given us. Last week, you you saw a story that we showed via video of Dr. Vin Chung. He's a... Uh, a brother in Christ, he lives in Colorado Springs. As a very young boy, he was a refugee from Vietnam. And those of us that saw the video, some of us didn't. But if anyone's circumstances looked hopeless or bleak or like there was no way forward, it was Vin Chung's. He and his family got onto a boat and set sail because that was their only hope to survive, to live. but God had him right where he wanted him. We saw last week that some they had been adrift out in sea for 10 days, and some of the moms were even considering drowning their own children to end the suffering. And if there was anybody that said, like, why am I here? What are we doing out here? God, are you out there? It was Vin Chung and his family. We saw last week that he was rescued at sea by some sailors in a project called Sea Sweep. And now, many years later, he's become a dermatologist. He's diagnosing and treating people with skin cancer in Colorado Springs. And he's using his story as a refugee. He's he's using his business as a doctor to influence many, many people for the kingdom of God. And the reason I'm saying this is you just don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. You don't know how He's going to use your story to bless other people. You don't know how close you are to breakthrough. It's no accident that you are where you are. God is very much in control. He works all things to the good of those who are called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. You see, God is using your circumstances to prepare you to accomplish His vision for your life. Your present circumstances are part of that vision. Listen, you're not wasting your time. You're not wasting your time being here. You're not spinning your wheels. You're not stuck. You're not wandering around in the wilderness. If you are seeking first the kingdom of God, you are where you are on purpose. You're exactly where you need to be. And God has positioned you there with a purpose in mind. And like Nehemiah, it may be difficult for you to make the connection at this this point. It may be difficult for you to see the way forward. But in time, it will all make sense because it always does. Man, be faithful and trust and continue moving forward. Continue to keep your eyes on Christ. I'm honestly convinced that most people want to make a difference, that most people want to do good with their lives, that most people want to hear God say, like, good job, well done. I think sometimes we, we get confused about success. Sometimes we look at people who we think are successful, we see the end result, we see the walls rebuilt but we hardly ever look at the journey. We forget about the journey that it took to get there. You want to know what success is? You are a success every day that you get up and you show up for duty. You're a success every day. You put your feet on the ground and you get up And you move forward in faith and you show up as a husband, as a mother, as a friend. That is success. Every day you live faithfully, right where you're at with what you have is a successful day. Rewarding? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe not. But successful? Absolutely. Listen, don't diminish the significance of the journey. Don't diminish it. It's possible for weeks and months and even years to go by with no sign of progress towards the vision. It happened in Nehemiah's day, close to 150 years. And listen, some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to know this. Some of you that have been on this journey for a long time, maybe in your marriage you're just not seeing the results you want to see. Maybe that wayward son just seems like it's hopeless. Maybe in your church you just want more. And man, you're beginning to get discouraged on the journey. And I guess I'm here this morning to tell you, don't lose hope. Man, keep your eyes forward. Keep your eyes on Christ. Continue moving forward. And continue to be faithful in the little things. Because God has you right where he wants you. You know, when things get hard, and they have and they will, the temptation is to retreat. The temptation is to abandon the vision. Man, that temptation, the closer you get to the realization of that vision, it becomes stronger and stronger. Cuz oftentimes I think we don't feel so much like a failure when we retreat or when we're full of excuses as to why the vision is too difficult. You see retreating from the vision becomes a form of it's like a form of self-defense. Kind of makes us look better than maybe what we're really doing. But we need to see success for what it really is and that is faithfulness, like day in and day out, the grind. That is success, being faithful day in and day out to the process, to God, being faithful to the journey. Man, instead of cursing your surroundings, let's let's celebrate your faithfulness in spite of your circumstances. You see, the problem with cursing your surroundings is like, Like anything else that you curse, it becomes your focus. Like your focus on the negativity, your focus on what's not going right. And to focus on what's around you, it diminishes your ability to focus on what's ahead of you. That's why the scripture says, fix your eyes on things above. Because boy, when you're looking around, you got to fix your eyes on things above. Unfortunately, it's so easy to lose sight. It's so easy to give up. It's so easy to get focused on what's not going right, the surroundings, and we give in to those little voices, those evil little voices, those whispers that say, like, who are you kidding? You're not going to rebuild anything. He's, he's never coming home. She'll never become a Christian. You'll never have the resources to do that. Your kids are far too gone. They're hopeless. You'll never have a marriage like that. Nobody's going to listen to you, let alone follow you. And it's so hard to ignore those little voices when the circumstances around you, it looks like they're supporting those little voices. It's so hard to regain perspective when the environment is hostile to your dreams. But you want to know what's even more difficult? A life that's even more painful is living your life wandering. Like, man, wondering what God could have done, wondering how close you were to experiencing breakthrough. Wondering what would have happened if you hadn't given up. Church, please please listen to this, okay? Some of you, man, you need this. Some of you are discouraged in the journey, and you need to know that waiting time is not wasted time. What you're doing is not a waste of time. In the waiting, God is sharpening you. He's making you better. You're learning things. It's not wasted time. God is using your circumstances to position you and to prepare you to accomplish his vision for your life. Man, Nehemiah as a cupbearer was not wasted time. God had him exactly where he wanted him. The phrase leveraging everything, it speaks for itself. It's using what God has placed in your hand to the maximum advantage, the maximum effect. It's doing all things to the glory of God. So I want to ask you this morning, like, what's in your hands? What do you have? The abilities, the talents, the spiritual gifts, what do you have that you can offer up back to God and say, God, whatever you want, I I want to give it to you. I I want you to use it so I can be a blessing to people, so that I can go after those who are far from you And tell them a different story about who you are, that you're good, that you're for them. Where does God have you right now? What if you looked at it from a different perspective and said, man, maybe God has positioned me perfectly. Maybe he has me right where he wants me. How can you use where you're positioned to make a difference? A couple years ago, God uh, burdened the heart of an incredible lady here at Grace Church to meet the desire of a little girl in Haiti. Story kind of goes this way. There was this little girl in Haiti that told a missionary that she wanted a doll. And word got back to Deneen Etz. She found out that this little girl's desire was to have a doll, and so Deneen was positioned to do something about that. You see, she had opened her home up to a bunch of younger girls in Grace Church. They call themselves the Sunflower Bunch okay? And so she gets some girls together from the church, and man, they just have a wonderful time, and they make these dolls. They handmade some dolls. She was in the perfect position to do something about this desire of this little girl in Haiti. So with the help of some girls here at Grace, some little dolls were handmade to send to Haiti, okay? Kind of a cool story. But here's where the story gets really good. Without us even knowing, okay, a church in New York, it's a long story, there's some different connections and some things that happened, but a church in New York made a video, okay, we don't even, I don't even know these people, okay? They made a video about these dolls going to Haiti, and I want you to watch this. It's its, it's really powerful, incredible story, but I want you to understand it from this perspective. And what do you have in your hand? What do you have, and how can you use it to bless other people? Check this out. I believe it was Fred Rogers that said, the greatest gift you ever give is your honest self. That's what these girls did. They decided to give of themselves, give of their time, give of their energy, and give to the children of Haiti something that they thought that they would like. They gave these dolls, and they gave these racetracks for these cars. And what happened was that their giving had this incredible domino These girl's giving not only had an impact on the children in Haiti, but it also had an impact on their parents and those around us. And it had a phenomenal impact on me and my team who had the opportunity to give out these gifts. You know, a lot of times you don't know how far the giving of yourself will go. Only God knows. What I do know is when Jesus came here, what he did is he gave of himself. So the question is, what will you get? All right. So about a year and a half ago, I met this little girl and she asked me for a doll. And so this is I'm finally getting it to you. So here's your doll. It says, it says, Jesus loves you on the back of it. Jay-Z Romain. Jay Z and that's for you just so you can have it okay, okay, You can remember Jesus hello. loves you hello. Okay yes. right, hello. Say hello Say merci say, say merci oui, hello, bonjour. <laughs> Yeah uh, Yeah Anyway Denise, Thank you so much uh, That little doll uh, I finally got it to the girl So how cool is that She was here this time So she's saying merci Right Merci Yeah, yeah. All right, see That's that's pretty awesome. You know, you may not be a doctor. You may not uh, have the story of a refugee. You may not own a business. You may not have lots of money. But you can still leverage what you have. And you can, you can give the love, you can show the love, you can demonstrate the love of Jesus in very simple ways. I mean, I have to be honest, making a doll, I don't know how to make a doll, but it seems pretty simple, okay? <laughs> simple, simple act of kindness. Such powerful impact. So what do you have in your hand? And how can you leverage that for those who are far from Jesus? Don't live your life wondering what could have been, how God could have worked. Nehemiah chapter 1, the last part of verse 11. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. And I honestly believe if Nehemiah was standing next to me right now, he would add to that. And I was exactly where God wanted me to be. I was exactly where he wanted me to be. Maybe you, are exactly where God wants you to be. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank for thank you for this time. Thank you for this encouragement from your word. Thank you for the sunflower bunch and their willingness to just show kindness and to share love. And Father, I pray that people walk out of here encouraged, just realizing that wherever they're at, whatever the circumstances are, Lord, help them not to curse their surroundings, but instead to keep their eyes fixed on you, and to realize that, you have them right where you want them, and to trust you in that. I pray that you would help people not to doubt in the darkness what you have shown them in the light. And sometimes it's just hard to see where exactly you're leading us or what steps we need to take, but Father, I pray that we would remember that you are for us, and that man, you are going to take us and lead us where you want us to be. Father, we give you this time. Help us to leverage everything that we have for those who are far from you. In Jesus' name, amen.